This is Radio Stockdale. Welcome to Radio Stockdale. I'm your host, Michael Sears at the Stockdale Center for Ethical Leadership. My guest is a retired Marine Corps colonel where he served as an infantry officer and field historian. He earned a doctorate at Boston University and among many other assignments and activities, he was the Director of Ethics and Character Development at the U.S. Merchant Marine Academy. His latest book is How to Think Like an Officer. Welcome, Professor Reed Bonadonna. Thanks, Michael. Very glad to be here. Great to have you here. You know, I'm going to put a little bit of a preamble here. We just are wrapping up a nine-part series uh, on our podcasts about the oath of office and the connection between the oath of office and the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Okay, We're hitting that pretty hard, but you've got an issue here. You're saying that might not be enough. Why aren't the existing guidelines strong enough to really connect service people with ethics? Well, I think one of the reasons for that, that that occurred to me, and which was a motivation for my my sitting down and, and and writing out this code, and then and then working on getting it published, was just some recent ethical problems that the military services have been experiencing now for for several years, from unprosecuted war crimes to the persistence of sexual assault, sexual harassment, toxic command climates being reported on on all sides. And, and then finally, this 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 came to a head with me with the sixth uh, January insurrection. This was this was this was a, a personal embarrassment to me to find out that uh, actually a disproportionate number of the sixth uh, January insurrectionists were military veterans or military members, and then in fact, as, as a Marine, uh, to find out that a, a disproportionate number of the, uh, of the of the military types were were Marines or former Marines. Let me ask you this then. If the code of conduct's not enough, isn't the UCMJ standing there to take care of this stuff? Well, I, I think it's uh, maybe important to look at some of the things that I'm talking about in the in the code itself, which are simply simply not covered by the UCMJ. I'm looking at I'm looking at number four, for example, uh, of the ones that I propose. I will send an example of my commitment to human rights and diversity, to gender, racial, and ethnic equality. And I'll exert myself to ensure that my fellow service members do likewise. I'll respect the religious beliefs, number six, or absence of religious belief in my fellow service members, and I'll never seek to impose my own belief on others. I will demonstrate respect for the institutions of democracy and support for the electoral and legislative process. These, these matters are not covered in, uh, in the UCMJ, not, not, not explicitly. And, and although certainly an interpretation or a discussion of the constitutional oath could bring these out as, as elements of the uh, constitutional oath. They're not made explicitly, and I would venture to say they're not made, they're not made explicitly enough. As a, as a matter of fact, one of the major players in the 6th uh, January insurrection uh, who recruit, among, uh, recruit heavily among military, these people style themselves oath keepers. And, and, you know, the idea that the way these people were behaving demonstrates a commitment to their constitutional oath may strike us as absurd. But the fact that there are people out there who, even having gone through military service, military training, 
been involved in, 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 in discussions, hopefully, of, 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 of military ethics, of, of, of the constitutional oath, uh, could still come away from their service thinking that uh, you know an assault on the U.S. Capitol was in, was in keeping with their, uh, with their oath to the Constitution is, is a problem and, and something that greater command attention needs to be exerted against. Okay, so I think I see what you're talking about. Being a bigot is not illegal. Being a misogynist is not illegal. That's what you're saying, right? Right, yes. Now, let me ask this. Um, but if they're, if they're doing the right thing, at least in their mind, isn't that good enough? The ends matter as well as the means is something I've heard you say before. What do you mean by that? What, what, what do I mean by the, by the ends matter as well as the means? Um, well, I, I, I did bring into my discussion of the uh, of the ten points of the, of the code, I, I discussed the the debate over the over the over the Confederate monuments, and I think that there's there's a kind of a a narrow definition of military professionalism that's out there, which seems to suggest that as long as you are as long as you are fighting well, as long as you are fighting within the rules, that the cause is secondary. But I think that that's 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 a very bad road for us to go down. The um, uh, you know, back in World War II, the armed forces, uh, and this was commissioned by by George C. Marshall, who was the Army Chief of Staff uh, at that time, uh, uh, also a Nobel Prize winner. Commission called called Why We Fight, and and this question of 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 what we're fighting for, what kind of what kind of values we're serving, what. Uh, what is the point of our military expertise, our professionalism? What is the object, for example, of the Marine Corps commitment to to, to honor honor courage and commitment? Is uh, it, it, it is an extremely important question, and one I think which has left been left too much to chance. You know. So what I'll do here is we'll put a link to your article uh, on this code of ethics that you're talking about. But let me ask this. Who does that apply to? Well, I think that, that that could be a topic for discussion. My my initial conception was that this would apply certainly to all uniformed military members. Uh, I, I've had a couple of people write to me and say, well, really, shouldn't this be uh, anyone who's involved in the national defense to include uh, civilian members of the uh, of the Department of Defense, uh, uh, you know, perhaps perhaps others who, who who bear arms in the service of their country, even if not not nominally uh, uh, members of the armed forces. So I I, I, I I'm not sure I could, I could cover all the bases, all the different uh, 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 branches that are out there and departments that are out there, but I would say certainly. Certainly, uniform military and probably a civilian defense department as well. And retirees? Did I hear you say that? Well, I, I think that making it applicable to retirees would be, you know, you can't really hold retirees liable to uh, uh, to a to a, to a military legal code. But I think the the point here, the the primary point here, my idea would be that if we had an armed forces. In which everybody coming in uh, had to read this oath on the on the on the bulkhead of his uh, his or her first, uh, first first squad bay, and and you know then get asked, okay, get it, 
And then if it became part of the military education system of military culture, it was something that you that you saw in barracks. It was something that you you had classes uh, classes on, hopefully discussions on, hopefully that uh, by the time someone became a veteran, they would they would get the idea. This would be part of it. And I, I and and frankly, one of the thoughts I also had was that someone who proposes to come into the military but does not believe in in equality uh does not uh believe in some of the uh some of the tenets of the code that 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 cover things like human rights and diversity uh, freedom of religious or or not having religious belief uh the institution of democracy and re- support for the electoral and legislative process someone who who does not have these views frankly, could be dissuaded from entering military service. And I think that these people are people that we could do without. Very interesting. I've had a chance to read your, your 10 points here. Where did this come from? Where, where, what are you, where are you drawing these ideas from? Well, I, I, I list a, 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 number of, a number of general sources. I think they are in part derived from, from the Constitution and, and sort of an, a, a, an, an interpretation or a rereading of the, uh, of the Constitutional Oath. Um, I also cite the uh, Uniform Court of Military Justice and the United Nations Declaration of, uh, of uh, Human Rights, among others. But you know, m- maybe to go even further back than that, one of the sources is the the golden rule of, of treating others as we as we would like to be treated, or as we or or as we should treat others. Kant's uh, uh, categorical imperative uh, uh, to, to to treat our own behavior as if we were as if we were setting a setting a rule of conduct for the rest of humanity. These are, I think, some of the things that were in the in the in the far background when I was trying to come up with. And you know, and perhaps they can't be comprehensive, but I I, I limited myself to ten. I I wanted them to be succinct. I I, uh, I saw this I saw this problem, and in my in my, in my sort of simple jarhead way, I was thinking, well, let's just let's just make some rules, make a make a uh, a set of ten uh, easily comprehensible rules, and sort of this this would not be the end, but sort of start from there. Start with a discussion of that, but also be but also be explicit about about what we want, which is, is, I think, sometimes a reach with the constitutional oath unaided by some other supporting explicit points to be made on the subject of ethics. Professor Reed Bonadonna, former director of ethics and character development at the U.S. Merchant Marine Academy and retired United States Marine Corps colonel. You're biting off a lot here, Colonel. Yes, I know. I recognize that. We appreciate having you aboard, uh, and there's obviously more things we can talk about. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity, Michael. You've been listening to Radio Stockdale, a series of podcasts produced by the Stockdale Center for Ethical Leadership at the United States Naval Academy. You can hear more podcasts at stockdalecenter.com slash podcasts.